Wrestling Fans, this is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, with the wrap-up of the Best of Super Juniors Finals that happened today, June the 5th, 2019. Technically, in our time in the States, it happened in the morning, but I just got done watching this, and the last two matches on this show were definitely the type of stuff people watch New Japan for. The matches before that, I mean, there was nothing bad on the card at all, but the, the last... Two matches especially, and you could even say the last three matches, just from a storytelling standpoint, were pretty big news. We, of course, have Dominion coming up this coming Sunday, which will be headlined by IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada defending against Chris Jericho. We'll have the never-open-weight title match between champion Taichi and Tomohiro Ishii, and I believe that's also when we're going to have the Liger-Suzuki match, which actually has me very intrigued. But let's run through the best of Super Juniors. Now, as I repeatedly stated before, I expected Taichi Ishimori to win the best of Super Juniors. I was wrong in that prediction, but I can at least say that my other two picks, Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi, were the two finalists. So while I was wrong in the end, I do think it's kind of cool that I still managed to pick the other two that wound up being in the finals. So the A block winner was Shingo Takagi, who went undefeated throughout the entire tournament, the entire A block. He and Ishimori were really the only contenders for that block. And over in the B block, it was a lot more competitive. Will Ospreay won with a record of 7-2. and two. He last beat Rusuki Taguchi on June 3rd to win that block. The undercard of this match really was just kind of a showcase again of a lot of the other Super Juniors, although there were some heavyweights mixed in. But it was the last three matches that we'll get to that really told the story. First match was IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Dragon Lee teaming with Teton and Shoto Mino. They beat Jonathan Gresham, Bandito, and Ren Narita when Lee pinned Narita with a running knee. High-speed match. All six men looked pretty good in it. Lee kicked out of Narita's belly-to-belly suplex and hit the running knee for the pin. A bullet club. All three junior heavyweights of El Fantasmo, Taiji Shimori, and Robbie Eagles. They beat Rasuke Taguchi and Rapungi 3K of Sho and Yo. Fantasmo pinned Sho with a CR2. The story here was... They got the heat on Taguchi, Yo got the hot tag, ran wild. Eagles managed to escape the 3K and hit Show with a turbo backpack, which is one of his finishers. Show kicked out, but then Eagles tried to hit a 450, and when he climbed for the 450, Phantasmo blind tagged himself in. And when Eagles hit the 450, Phantasmo pulled him off and hit his finisher, the TR2, uh, to get the pin. So... Not only was he kind of stealing the win, it was like he hit his move as well. And there's very clearly dissension in the ranks with with Bullet Club. And knowing New Japan booking, not only will this come to fruition, it's also going to lead to a junior heavyweight tag title match between Rapungi 3K and Phantasmo and whether he chooses Ishimori or Eagles for his tag partner. Tomohiro Ishii, Toriyano, Yoshihashi, Tiger Mask 4, and Jushin Thunder Liger, they beat five members of Suzuki-Goon, Minoru Suzuki, Never Openweight Champion Taichi, Yoshinomu Kanimaro, Zack Sabre Jr., and Doki, when Hashi pinned Doki with Karma. The main story here was 
Yoshihashi getting quadruple teamed by the heels, just kind of ganged up on. Doki went for the suplex de Luna. Tiger broke that up. That started the whole obligatory multi-man brawl, and that allowed Hashi to come back at Doki with the karma and pin him. Los Ingobernables de Japón of Tatsuya Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi. They beat the IWGP Intercontinental Champion Kota Ibushi, Togi Makabe, Tomoaki Honma, and Toru Hanare when Evil pinned Hanare after he and Sonata used a magic killer. This is a preview of the match on Sunday where it will be Naito challenging again Kota Ibushi for the Intercontinental title. It'll be interesting to see if they do go through with that, meaning Naito winning the belt back. The IWGP heavyweight champion, Kazuchika Okada, teamed with Rocky Romero. They beat Marty Skrull and Brody King. Okada pinned King with the Rainmaker. Eels cut off Romero, double-teamed him. Okada got the hot tag. Till he, too, got double-teamed. Romero made the save. Chased Skrull around the outside. And back in the ring, Okada made his comeback. Hit the Rainmaker on Brody King and scored the win. Now, after the match, there was a bit of storytelling. Lights went out. Chris Jericho appeared via pre-taped promo. He said he'll beat Okada this Sunday, win the IWGP Championship. No mention of AEW, but that is not surprising. There's no actual working relationship between AEW and New Japan. I think, not not to my knowledge, unless there's something I haven't heard of, but I haven't heard of there being anything. But AEW isn't going to have any regular TV until the fall, until probably October. So that leaves guys like Jericho and Kenny Omega and John Moxley with nothing to do until then. You know, there's like two AEW shows before the fall. But anyway, this is the fun part. When the video ended and the lights came back up, Okada like immediately looked looked over his shoulder to make sure nobody was sneaking up behind him because that's happened all too often in modern wrestling where the pre-taped promo airs and it turns out the guy uses that as an opportunity to attack from behind. So it's like showing that Okada was smart enough to see that coming. And it's like, see how much more fun it is when your baby faces are not complete idiots and fall for the same tricks every time? Anyway, Hiroshi Tanahashi had his first match back since the G1 Supercard. He had over- gone under for elbow surgery. He faced Switchblade Jay White. White attacked before the bell, pummeled Tanahashi in the outside, smacked him into the ring apron, wrapped his arm around the barricade, basically brutalizing Tanahashi's arm for like, a good 10 minutes or so. Tanahashi would try to make a comeback, get cut off. Ghetto tried to get into the ring and blatantly interfere with his brass knucks. Tanahashi decked him. The referee was trying to get Ghetto out of the ring. That gave White the chance to low blow Tanahashi and try the Blade Runner. Tanahashi escaped the Blade Runner, hit his own low blow, rolled up White just as the referee was turning around. White kicked out at two. Tanahashi went for the cloverleaf and Jay White rolled him up into a small package to get the surprise pin. So Tanahashi, in a move that WWE would never do, and I'm not saying this as a negative or a positive or anything like that, I'm just saying it's a difference in booking styles. If this was John Cena coming back from an injury, there's no way in heck he would lose. New Japan's not afraid to do that with some of their top guys. No, they're really trying to keep Jay White as that top foreigner heel, so to speak. So I think that's why they did that, and... Tanahashi's popular enough that he can lose several big matches in a row and not lose anything. I mean, crime, that was his whole entire story 
in 2018 was him losing a bunch of big matches and then coming back and winning the G1 and won the world title last January. So speaking of foreigners, John Moxley did beat Juice Robinson to win the IWGP US Championship. I believe this makes him the first man to have held both the WWE and the IWGP US titles. And it looks like we have a new name for the Dirty Deeds. He did kind of elevate it a little bit because he hit what was the move formerly known as Dirty Deeds, but she was kicked out of that. So Moxley did it again and then just kind of lifted it up similar to like how Bobby Roode would do his glorious DDT, only it would be with the Dirty Deeds. And it looks like they're calling that the Death Rider. He was also introduced as Death Rider John Moxley, in case you needed to know whether he was a babyface or a heel. That name should probably say it all. They did brawl all around through the crowd. Juice dove off the monitor. There were two tables broken. Juice got busted open. I don't know if it was intentional or if it was hard way or what, but he did actually debut his new short haircut. Juice is no longer wearing the dreadlocks. I was never really a fan of dreadlocks, but, I mean, he was the only guy with them, so it kind of stood out, but... He looks just fine without the dreadlocks, and like I've said, he's probably my favorite babyface right now. But anyway, Moxley's the champion. Again, probably won't have any regular dates with AEW until the fall, so giving him the title does make things interesting in New Japan, and I would like to see if Moxley's going to be in the G1 Climax this year. I mean, that would make things really interesting. Again, we're talking the summer. It's late July through mid-August. And there's usually another major show or two to happen before the fall. I think King of Pro Wrestling is around October, I believe. So he could drop the title back to Juice or to somebody else and then go back to AEW full-time. And that's still a pretty darn good three- or four-month run. I don't know if that'll happen. They usually announce the G1 lineup at the Dominion show. It's usually a big presentation, a, a big hype video, and they'll give maybe not necessarily the block lineups, but they'll tell you everybody that'll be involved in it. But another thing that probably wouldn't have been done by WWE, and again, I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, it's just different. That actually wasn't the main event. You know, the big debut was second from the top. The main event, as it usually is for Best of Super Juniors Finals, is the Best of Super Juniors Finals. And that was the A block winner of Shingo Takagi, again, went through undefeated. They think they said he was something like 96 matches since his debut and had never been pinned or submitted. He did lose tag matches, but it was usually Bushi that got pinned. But he himself never pinned, never submitted, never got DQ'd. And this definitely had a big match feel. And I'm not saying that again because two of my top three picks were in it. Both men started out the feeling out process, neither dominated, Each knocked each other to the floor, hit their dives. Shingo dominated for a few minutes. Osprey made his comeback. Takagi hit a top rope Death Valley driver. Takagi kicked out of a sick-looking powerbomb by Osprey. They fought on the apron for what I call the obligatory big match apron bump. That turned out to be Osprey giving an Oz cutter on the ring apron. Takagi made it back into the count of 19. Osprey capitalized, hit a shooting star for another near fall, then hit the Oz cutter. Takagi kicked out of the Oz cutter. I think that may be a first. I could be wrong. Takagi fired up, hit two straight pumping bombers. 
And also, I think, hit the last of the dragon before this. Anyway, both guys kicked out of each other's finisher. That that was the story being told here. Osprey kicked out of the last of the dragon. Takagi kicked out of an Oz cutter. Osprey also kicked out of the pumping bombers. Shingo then lifted Osprey up, looked like he was going to do another last of the dragon. Osprey turned into reverse Hurricane Rana, then hit a standing Spanish fly for a near fall. Finally, Osprey hit his third Ozcutter of the match, immediately lifted him up into the Stormbreaker, and that finally got the pin. Shingo Takagi's first pinfall loss in AEW, and Will Ospreay is the best of Super Juniors. I think he was my number three pick, I believe. Takagi was my number two. But after the match, Ospreay cut a promo thanking the fans, telling Hiromu Tanahashi, get well soon, he wants to fight him. Obviously, Takahashi had to relinquish the title due to injury last year. Nobody beat him for it. So it only makes sense that Osprey would want to give him a match. Osprey's the baby face. Takahashi won last year. It just all makes sense in the story of sportsmanship. He then also told the crowd in Japanese that he's moving to Japan, which got applause, and he all went back to be with his chaos cohorts. They doused him with beer, and then he did the usual Q&A with the press. So, like I said, the first half of the show, I mean, you could have missed it and not missed anything hugely eventful. It really wasn't until the Chaos Tag Match with Okada and Romero facing Skrull and King. That that was mainly more for the story that was going on. But as usual, a strong finish to a great show and a great tournament. This has probably been the best Super Juniors tournament that I've seen so far. I haven't seen any I haven't seen all of them of course but I've seen every one in the last couple of years so I'll sign off with that talk to you folks on Sunday with Dominion that is roughly the equivalent of New Japan's SummerSlam it's like if Wrestle Kingdom is their WrestleMania Dominion is like their SummerSlam it's their number 2 pay-per-view so some big things tend to happen with that and I'll be happy to watch that let you folks know what I think the Twitter, if you want to tell us what you think, is TWBP Show. That's for the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Show. We are on Facebook at Behind the Squared Circle, and the website is BehindTheSquaredCircle.com. So definitely let us know what you folks think. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about, a lot of fun stuff to be had in the future. So we'll talk to you folks then. Wrestling Brethren are not sponsored or endorsed by any products, shows, or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts of the Wrestling Brethren are purely their own and do not represent the views of any guests, websites, sponsors, or affiliates. Some media used on the Wrestling Brethren podcast is the copyright of its respective owners, all rights reserved.